0: So we'll go ahead and get started. Um, let me just open us up in a word of prayer, Forgive give just a minute. Go ahead, Grady. I know how those knees get when you're tall. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we come before you and would just like to lift our hearts up to the blessedness and the holiness of our triune God. Maybe ask each of us to just examine not just our love for you as we will prayerfully see today, how reverent is our love for you. Lord, I pray that in this time together we would be deeply reverent of both a holy and just God. who is so gracious and merciful. And we need not look any further than the blessed life of your beloved Son, our blessed Savior, to just see how merciful you are. So we just lift up our hearts to you We lift up our praise to you. Lord, do we ask that you would clear our minds, clear our hearts. And let us just let the word of God fill those hearts and minds with your blessed truths. And Lord, we just pray these things in your ever- precious name our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ amen I I need to confess this morning that I have just been so thankful to be able to teach God's Word for a long time just the desire he put in my heart coming out of false religion and a perversion of everything that is true Um, just a desire to never let a moment go by in my life that I didn't seek the Lord in his word and what a gracious Lord he's been but I can only tell you that I have never felt Gloria would say don't trust your feelings daddy (laughs) so inadequate to try to teach a message that is in the text that we're gonna look at this morning. I have never felt more inadequate and I would just appreciate your, your prayers and your patience as we, we try to work through it. And I, I think the thought to open with is, uh, I'd like you to think about the law. And the many, many features of the law, but the many, many works that the law does in humanity over time. Right? We see the Old Testament, and then we see the massive wrath of God against the law. But I think, as we'll see this morning, the the law has. its purpose in revealing to us the righteousness of God okay but it comes at it from the ever-perfect law held up against the ever-sinful humanity and for us it is supposed to convict us and that conviction which I think we can safely say, every human being who has ever breathed life and reached an age, right, has been convicted by the law. That conviction allows to see the totality of humanity going one of two directions with that conviction from the law. To condemnation, or as Paul says in Galatians 3 24 the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ. That is the two groups of people that you see in Romans 8 where Paul gets to much farther down the road. That is a very helpful and fearful reality that that I think will allow us to see this text and when I say this text I mean this whole section of Romans one eighteen through 32. We spoke last week about the danger of applying that sliding scale when we read a passage like Romans 1.18 through 32. Well, I'm not that bad, right? That is a death sentence <laughs> if you're not careful because God has no sliding scale. The wages of sin is death, right? Paul Paul begins the central truth of what many call his magnum opus, his greatest work um, to the church. With Romans 1, 16 through 17. And we touched on this several weeks ago, but it says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And there's that conviction that drives you to either acknowledging God and giving him thanks Or rejecting God and exalting self and as we'll see creation instead of the creator. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek so but Paul's just saying everybody And then verse 17, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And that is the central, central message of all of scripture. The righteousness that allows you to stand before a holy God is a righteousness that is not inside of you or me or anyone else. It is outside of us. This is, this is the, the thought that comes right out of Habakkuk in Paul's mind that just unleashes the entire book of Romans if you really pay attention and you read it very carefully. It is this central thought about righteousness, right? So I wanna take a little look at this passage from Habakkuk and what you find contextually uh, in in chapter one is God is revealing, and Habakkuk is asking, when Lord are you gonna come back and judge? Those whom you have used, the Chaldeans as a judgment on us. That's what he's asking. And you'll find that in Habakkuk 112. But I want you to look at Habakkuk 2, two through4 and what Habakkuk is inquiring about is, how long, O Lord? Do you ever ask that, brother? How long, O Lord? How long is this going to go on? Specifically, how long is the use of the Chaldeans as the rod of your wrath going to continue upon our people? Right? Here's the response in Habakkuk 2, verses 2 through 4. And the Lord answered me. Write the vision, make it plain on tablets. Put it on billboards, right? So he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. I want you to see the sovereignty of God and the perfection of his timing. And the righteous suffering of those who love the Lord and the horrendous suffering of those who have rejected the Lord, right? Because that's what is being revealed here. Still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. It's coming, right? We read scriptures, and we read the eschatological passages. It's coming. And it's coming in the precise and perfect timing of God. So in many ways you see right here how interwoven the the doctrinal realities of scripture flow through just about everything you read and study if you're really watching, right? This has enormous eschatological implications. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, amen, <laughs> wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. And then he, the Lord shifts to describing, in this case, the Chaldeans. But in a very applicable way, all those who are just utterly irreverent towards God. And just like the Chaldeans, are often the very instrument of God. I think that rather stark reality helps us see the world we're living in so much better. Tina and I sat with some old-timey saints last night that we loved dearly. And the first topic on their mind was, what is going on in this world? He says of the Chaldeans in verse 4 behold his soul is puffed up it is not upright within him it is it is prideful and it is filled with malice it is not right it wants to destroy everything it can get its hands on right who is that in its most precise description is Satan and all of his children particularly those that rise to a level of power and control like Nebuchadnezzar like the long list that we even see today right And it is with this passage that Paul has in mind that he launches into this rather profound indictment on the entirety of humanity, this Romans 1, 18 through 32, okay? Who in unbelief have continuously received this darkening of the heart through the judgment of God upon all who suppress the truth that God has made plain to them. right, we've seen that. Over and over and over in this passage But what I want you to do is in, in I'm going to try to convey uh, I know this just kind of ran me over this week as it began to become clearer and clearer At the beginning of this section in Romans 1 verse 18 You wonder how many times have you read this passage, right? I know I've read it so many times. When the Lord was convicting me, this was one of the passages of Scripture He took me to. 18 years ago now. It reads in verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Against, now I want you to pay attention to this. All ungodliness, okay, that's one thing. And, comes number two, unrighteousness. Now, it's that distinction I want us to pay attention to this morning. He goes on to say, of men who by their unrighteousness, their wickedness, the King James, New King James might say, suppress the truth. But Paul is framing, I believe, two different categories of how we sin against God and sin against man. And what's interesting about that In verse 18, the second use of wickedness refers to man's suppression of the truth about God. But at the beginning of the verse where the term is used for the first time, wickedness is distinguished from godlessness. And Paul is using godlessness and wickedness to employ two great categories. Of human evil. The first embraces sins against God, ungodliness, no godliness, no reverence for God. The second reveals all the sins we commit against other human beings. Now what is fascinating about that and Dr. Boyce is probably the only commentator that I was able to read many of that really brings this into very clear focus but I want to just without going to the Decalogue I want to give you the first table of the Decalogue which depending on how carefully you study the two tables and all that what you have is a series of five commandments I'm going to read them in short for you You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or a replacement of God. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord. Remember the day that I have made, the Sabbath day. Honor the Lord in the Sabbath day. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord honored his father. Every one of those is a category of sin that is vertical. Now let's look at the second half of the table. You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. Every one of those is a horizontal sin. Every one of them. Ungodliness. Unrighteousness. Paul is taking us right back to the very 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 beginning up through Romans 128 so Romans 1 18 through Romans one twenty-seven. we have been looking at the sins and the consequence and that's what I want us to pay attention to the sins and the consequence That are committed against God. Directly committed against God. All are, right? But they are fundamental. And it is this vertical set of sins that are the cause of God's righteous abandoning wrath from 18 through 27. We see in verse 21 and i'll just read for you 2018 through or 21 through 23 just to kind of put it in context in this vertical sin towards god it says for all that, oh, they knew god they did not honor him as god or give him thanks But they became futile in their thinking and in the futility of that thinking their foolish hearts were darkened what were they thinking right verse 22 claiming to be wise they became fools what were they thinking they exchanged the glory of the immortal god for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And we know, as we've unpacked this, that we move from this feudal thinking that God is the created, not the creator. And we are given over, ultimately to a mind that has refused to acknowledge God, has tested that God against the God that we desire, and has then declared that God a reject thinking to be wise, they became fools. But here, here's, here's what allowed this passage to just kind of send me sideways. just finish reading verse 22 and 3 claiming to be wise they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things and everything you can think of mother earth climate change you right I don't want to get but it just open it up if we're going to be preserved it's got to be in the preservation of mother earth in some form or another right And the worship of those things created to take it back up to the level Paul's out here. And then we have verse 24 and 28, and this is really the consequence of the disobedience of the first table of the law to love God is the sexual, the homosexual, the transgender society. Don't get that backwards. I did. It is not the homosexual, the sexualization, the homosexual, the transgender, that then causes God to give us over. Read the text. That is the consequence of being given over Very, very important. It's easy to think, well, they're the ones that are abandoned because look at how they live. No, they live the way they live because of the fact that they have been abandoned. From what and to what is what I want you to ask. Okay? If there is one thing to think about all those perversions... It should come to mind when I read this passage to you Genesis one twenty six through eight to twenty eight. Then God said, Let us make man in our image. after our likeness There it is dear brothers and sisters We are made in the precious image of our creator And when we refuse to acknowledge that God takes that away he empties it and he turns us over. He turns us over to the most horrendous perversion of that image you could ever imagine. God does it. God is the one who determined that that Sexualization, homosexualization, transgenderizing, is the most extreme perversion of the image in which we were made. Right? And there's more there. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heaven, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. And there it is. How many times does he have to emphasize this? And this has to be top of mind for Paul. Has to be. Because we took the image of God and the ability, the consciousness of God that was created into us, right? That is what is unique about humanity. You don't see animals bowing down and worshiping God. They don't have the capacity to do it. We're the only ones that have that capacity to do it. Say it this way, we're the only ones that have ever had the blessed gift of being able to know our creator. That was the divine gift. And when we reject that, being wise in our own eyes, we are emptied of that. And we are turned over to the most horrendous, alternative of that divine gift. And it is God here who defines the horrendous alternative. Right? Think about this. What happened first in the garden? God told us exactly what we needed to remain perfectly, perfectly reconciled and in perfect harmony with him. And we sinned against God. And the first thing we find is our nakedness is now shamefulness, right? What happens next? Brother, kills brother you see it Paul again is just unpacking the history of humanity right back to the garden through the absolute rejection of the law of God written onto our hearts put on tablets put on billboards and now put on every device you could ever imagine in every home you could ever Imagine, and I couldn't help but think about this from from sexual perversion, which is simply uh, the beautiful gift of intimacy between a man and a woman outside the marriage covenant, right? than the adulterating of that marriage covenant with another. To all kinds of other forms of sexual perversion. But what you see throughout scriptures is sin is always pregnant with worse sin worse than and worse than and that's precisely what you see in this passage we're given over to sexual perversions we're given over to homosexual perversions loaded with the disease of that lifestyle we're given over to the lesbianism that utterly abandons the nurturing that God put into the woman and now we have the transgender movement which has absolutely thrown off any resistance to go after the children. It's just getting worse and worse. This is this downward slide that we talk about in its most vivid form. I want to read Dr. Boyce's commentary on that Genesis one twenty-six through 8 though. To understand why the failure to love God has such a massive set of consequences in the abandonment of that, right? Boyce says this about Genesis 1 through 8, to say that man is the most important part of creation might be thought of as a chauvinistic statement as though we might as easily say if we were fish, the fish are the most important, but this is not true. Men and women actually are higher than the forms of creation around them. They rule over creation for one thing, not by mere force, and this is, but by the power, the God-given power Of our minds and our personalities. That that is unique, like no other part of creation, the image of God, the mind. Now think about the last four weeks how much we've studied the mind. God is sovereign over our minds, right? But by the power of their minds and personalities, Men and women also have a God consciousness. That's why he says, although they knew God. Fact, they did not honor him as God. Then he goes on to say, and they are without excuse. Because he has revealed himself to us in every way necessary to know there is a God and to know that he is to be loved. And this is where the Are we reverent in our love for God? And I think all of us have enough background with church and religion and society to know that that is a fearful question. Because loving God irreverently begs the question, is that just part of the smoke? Right? So you have to ask, what do we mean by reverence? when we love God and our love for God. It's interesting in this giving over in this emptying, so to speak, of the image of God in us to, to be now pursuing and living a lifestyle that is utterly counter to the very nature that we have, right? It goes against the God-given nature that we've been given, right? while God is turning over massive amounts of society, I want you to be encouraged by what he's doing with the church. So when we get into these dark places like we're in right now, I want you to see the glorious light of what our Lord is doing. Okay? So go with me to Romans 15, where Paul, way out in this book, verse 13, when God is Filling, as we'll see in verse 28 of this passage, with all kinds of horrific tendencies to be unrestrained. We see from Paul in Romans fifteen thirteen what God is filling the church with. Isn't that interesting? On one hand, they are filled with everything you could horrifically imagine. And in complete contradistinction of that, he is filling his church. As he says in verse 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, so key, right? You may abound in hope. We touched on this passage last week, but with that thought in mind and this abandoning wrath in mind that flows right out of the sins that go directly vertical against God, the irreverence towards God. The debased mind, the feudal mind. Look with me again at this passage in 2 Corinthians 4, three through four. I just found this so in this context, so um, important. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 4, it says, and even if our gospel is veiled, this gospel that Paul says is the power of God, even if this gospel is veiled, there's a reason for it. There was a cause of it. Because Everyone is included in the, although they know God, they did not honor him as God. And now you have this group of people that says, even if the gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded their minds of the unbelievers. Now it's right there that makes me think about the fact that we were all born, fallen into sin, and on that wide road to destruction, this sliding pit, right? And how do we get farther down that slide? Irreverence reverence towards God and sins against one another, pretty obvious. But here you see the instrument that God is using. And for those that were raised in churches where sovereign Satan really rules, (laughs) these texts just shatter that idea. Satan is an instrument of God, and it is a fearful instrument. Because look, just look at this passage. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. They've already rejected, right? In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Now remember our Genesis 126 in whose image we were made? Who is the image of God. Part of the judgment in this Roman 1's passage is to just utterly remove the image of God that was created in us and turn us over as a consequence to the most perverse, opposite behavior that you can find. As we go into it's so easy to slip in to look at them, right? But, but please don't forget the sliding scale that doesn't work. We're all condemned apart from Christ and that external righteousness, right? We can't ever lose sight of the fact that it is these people that don't know Christ, whatever category of condemnation they're in, they are our mission field. They are to be loved. They are to be brought the word of God truthfully no matter how much they rail against us because it is the only thing that will yank them off of that road, right? But to give you an idea of where we are, Isaiah 5:20 says, "Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, and exchange light for darkness." A little current news. Many of you know Kirk Cameron. You enjoy his ministry with Ray Comfort. He's written a book, a children's book. Have you read about this? This simply is intended to build up the character of children around the character of God, the commandments of God. And he has literally pursued over 50 public libraries to read his book to children, almost all of which have welcomed in the transgender books with the transgender people to read to our children, the parents that would deliver their children into that. And they. Welcome that in, and every single one of them, all fifty so far, have rejected him and his book. That's where we are. That's where we are. They're coming right after the children and the mind of the child. It's fearful. That's one side of this Romans 1. This is a composite society view that he's showing us. One side has been turned over and had the image of God they were created in gutted. And it releases the most perverse behaviors you can imagine. And it just gets worse and worse and worse. This is how it shows up in just the general societal interaction of humanity. Okay? So now we see, as we turn from the wrath of God associated with godlessness, remember the two categories, now we're gonna come into that whole category of unrighteousness, the not right, the obvious wrong against humanity, right? We're just gonna wade a little bit into this because time has already escaped us. Let me just read Romans 128 through 32 again. So these this is the um, wrath that produces all of the horizontal whore that we see in society today. The first category, all those perversions, are is the wrath associated with that vertical worship. Right? Or lack of. Romans 128, in this category of unrighteousness. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind. And that's that mind that has tested God, said, no thanks, I don't want that God. I'll choose for myself a God I create. That's the whole created emphasis, right? God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. And here's that uh, contradistinction from Romans 15, 13. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of, when they're filled with those, they are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, they are gossips, slanderers, haters of God insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parent, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. That's society and how we interact in society when we have been turned over by God to those very things. So one of the messages we have to realize in this passage is that when a society has these features these markers this is not stirring up the wrath of god this is the wrath of god that has already been poured out this is that second corinthians 4 He has blinded the minds of the what? Unbelievers. So what little bit of light they may have still been able to see around them. And it just unleashes. I want to just touch on just the four words that you find. Generally the ESV and the NASB are very, very close here. But the ESV. It uses unrighteousness, which is just uh, not right in the heart or the life, not righteous. It uses evil, which is the depravity of man, the iniquity, the wickedness, the malice, the evil, the purposes and desires, the intents of man against one another. Covetousness, probably the most right. <laughs> Just a greedy desire to have more. Man, are we just consumed with that in this society and especially at this time of the year. Look at what we do to our kids. Covetousness, an insatiable greed, in this case for riches, inordinate, miserly desire to gain and hoard and not recognize it's the Lord's to begin with. And then malice. Malice is when you have the absolute intent to do harm to anybody that comes along. We read about it every day, don't we? A mother and her kids on the way to school gets caught up in road rage and ends up dead. There was no connection there. There was just somebody who was ready to unleash on anybody that they have the opportunity to do that. And it is rampant, right? This is the consequence of a society that has refused to worship God and give him glory and give him thanks. So let me just kind of end here with what is maybe um, as difficult as anything for me. 2 Thessalonians 2 7 says, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. 2,000 years ago, lawlessness. No thanks, God. I'm not gonna live in your restraints. The mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. There's gonna come a time, we think this is bad. There's gonna come a time when the Spirit of God that restrains and convicts and uses the law to suppress is gonna just let go of all of that. And it is going to be absolute hell on earth, right? And yet we are gonna see the birth pangs all the way up to that and through that as we are right now. And that is nothing new to society. (laughs) I think you all know this week, the United States Congress passed the same sex marriage bill called respect for marriage. Off to be signed by the president. Both spokesmen claim to be Christians, Roman Catholics. And Ms Pelosi described it this way, to be a glorious triumph For the values our nation holds dear." In the last two years, Los Angeles has seen a 54% increase in violent murder. That is a greater increase, you you know these statistics, 54% increase, right? 2021, 95% of the largest jurisdictions in the United States are seeing a comparable size marked increase in the most violent of crimes. Now think about the bottom of this Romans 1 passage. Homicides across the US are both historic and like no other period and far reaching, touching the lives of millions of people because it's no longer gang fights. It's the mom driving her school who gets sideways with somebody who just wants to kill somebody. Right? It's the whole family that gets wiped out, and they're still trying to figure out why. Right? Thinking to be wise. The experts say it's just a horrendous confluence of multiple factors in society today. And it really is amazing when you look at the factors that are driving what's going on. And I would tell you that it is not something that man can bring about. It is, it is not. And it ought to leave us, every one of us, on our face, irreverent, irreverent towards a God to which the whole world is utterly irreverent towards. I think it's that serious and i think the church needs to rise to that mandate so thank you for your patience and we'll pick up with the rest of romans 128 through 32 next week so thank you guys